Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The text is the epistle lesson which has been read. And also we look back because it says in the fullness of time, God worked his plan, so to speak. And that is reflected in the gospel as well. Matthew was concerned that people would recognize that Jesus was the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Therefore, in Matthew 2.15, we read, Out of Egypt I called my son. And Matthew makes a point. This was a fulfillment of a prophecy. And later on as well, in that same verse we read, in chapter 2, verse 23, they went to Nazareth. He says, to fulfill what the prophet had said, he shall be called a Nazarene. And so this is part of God's fulfilling of his plan. God works his plan even though it isn't always obvious to his people. It took hundreds of years for all this to take place. But one thing we don't think about is that God is still fulfilling his plan. At the end of his ministry, Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. This is happening. People are sharing the gift, even though sometimes it's not obvious that it's connected. I said we'd have a little Christmas stuff going on. Well, here it is. It's kind of a Christmas story. And I hope that it'll be meaningful to you. The old man sat in his gas station on a cold Christmas Eve. He hadn't been anywhere in years since his wife had passed away. It was just another day to him. He didn't hate Christmas, just couldn't find a reason to celebrate. He was sitting there looking at the snow that had been falling for the last hour and wondering what it was all about when the door opened and a homeless man stepped through. Instead of throwing the man out, old George, as he was known to his customers, told the man to come and sit by the heater and warm up. Thank you, but I, I, I don't mean to intrude, said the stranger. I see you're busy, I'll just go. Not without something hot in your belly, George said. He turned and opened a wide mouth thermos and handed it to the stranger. It ain't much, but it's hot and tasty. Stew, made it myself. When you're done, there's some coffee and it's fresh. Just at that moment, he heard the ding of the driveway bell. Excuse me, I'll be right back, George said. There in the driveway was an old 63 Chevy and steam was rolling out of the front. The driver was panicked. Mister, can you help me? My wife is with child and my car is broken. George opened the hood. It looked bad. It appeared that maybe the block was cracked. You ain't go anywhere in this thing, George said as he turned away. But mister, please help. The door of the office closed behind George as he went inside. He went to the office wall and got the keys to the old truck and went back outside. He walked around the building, opened the garage, started the truck and drove it around to where the couple was waiting. Here, take my truck, 
He said, she ain't the best thing you ever wanted to look at, but she runs real good. George helped put the woman in the truck and watched as it sped off into the night. He turned and walked back inside the office. Glad I gave him the truck. He said he, he thought he was speaking to the stranger, but the man had gone. The thermos was on the desk, empty, with a used coffee cup beside it. Well, at least he got something in his belly, George said. George went back outside to see if the old Chevy would start. It cranked along, but, well, finally it did start. He pulled it into the garage where the truck had been. He thought he would tinker with it for something to do. Christmas Eve meant no customers. He discovered the block hadn't cracked. It was just the bottom radiator hose. Shucks, I can fix this, he said to himself. So he put a new one on. Those tires ain't gonna get him through the winter either. He took the snow treads off his wife's old Lincoln. They were like new, and he wasn't gonna drive the car anyway. As he was working, he heard shots being fired. He ran outside and beside a police car, an officer lay on the cold ground, bleeding from his left shoulder. The officer moaned, please help me. George helped the officer inside as he remembered the training he had received in the army as a medic. He needed attention, he said to himself. The wound needed to be pressurized to stop the bleeding. The uniform company had been there just that day and left clean shop towels. He used those and duct tape to bind the wound. Hey, they say you can fix anything with duct tape, he said to the man. Something for pain, George thought. All he had was the pills he had used for his back. These ought to work, he said. So he put some water in a cup and gave the policeman the pills. You hang in there, he said. I'm going to get an ambulance for you. The phone was dead. Maybe I can get one of your buddies on that there talk box out in your car. He went out to find that a bullet had gone into the dashboard and ruined the radio. He went back into the office to find the policeman sitting up. Thanks, said the officer. You could have left me there. That guy that shot me is still in the area. George sat down beside him. I would never leave an injured man in the army, and I ain't going to leave you. George pulled back the bandage to check for bleeding. It looks worse than it really is, he says. Bullet passed right through you. Good thing it missed all the important stuff. I think with time, you're going to be right as rain. George got up and poured a cup of coffee for him. How do you take it, he asked. None for me, said the officer. Oh, you're going to drink this. Best in the city. But too bad I ain't got no donuts, George said. The officer laughed and winced at the same time. The front door of the office flew open. In burst a young man with a gun. Give me all your cash. Do it now. His hand was shaking, and George could tell that he had never done anything like this before. That's the guy that shot me, exclaimed the officer. Son, why are you doing this, asked George. You need to put that cannon away. Somebody else might get hurt. The young man was confused. Shut up, old man, or I'll shoot you too. Now give me the cash. The cop was reaching for his gun. Put that thing away, George said to the cop. We got one too many in here now. He 
he turned his attention to the young men. Son, it's Christmas Eve. If you need money, well then here. It ain't much, but it's all I got. Now put that pea shooter away. George pulled out $200 of his own money and handed it to the young man, reaching for the barrel of the gun at the same time. The young man released his grip on the gun, fell to his knees and began to cry. I'm not very good at this, am I? All I wanted to do was buy something for my wife and son, he went on. I've lost my job, my rent is due, my car got repossessed last week, and I... George handed the gun to the cop. Son, we all get in a bit of a squeeze now and then. The road gets hard sometimes, but we make it through best we can. He got the young man up to his feet and sat him down on a chair across from the cop. Sometimes we do stupid things, George said as he handed the young man his coffee. Being stupid is one of the things that makes us human. Coming here with a gun ain't the answer. Now sit there and get warm and we'll sort this thing out. The young man stopped crying. He looked over to the cop. Sorry I shot you, it just went off. I'm sorry, officer. Shut up and drink your coffee, the cop said. George could hear the sounds of sirens outside. A police car and an ambulance skidded to a halt. Two cops came through the door, guns drawn. Chuck, you okay? One of the cops asked the wounded officer. Not bad for a guy who took a bullet. How'd you find me? The locator in the car, best thing since sliced bread. Who did this? Chuck answered them, I don't know. The guy ran off into the dark, just dropped his gun and ran. George and the young man both looked puzzled at each other. That guy work here, the wounded cop continued. Yep, George said, just hired him this morning. Boy lost his job. The paramedics came in and loaded Chuck onto the stretcher. The young man leaned over the wounded cop and whispered, why? Chuck just said, Merry Christmas, boy. And you too, George, and thanks for everything. Well, looks like you got one doozy of a break there. That had to solve some of your problems. George went into the back room and came out with a box. He pulled out a ring. Here you go, something for the little woman. I don't think Martha would mind. She said it would come in handy someday. The young man looked inside to see the biggest diamond ring he ever saw. I can't take this, said the young man. It means something to you. And now it means something to you, replied George. I got my memories. That's all I need. George reached into the box again. An airplane, a car, and a truck appeared. They were toys that the oil company had left for him to sell. Here's something for that little man of yours. The young man began to cry again as he handed back the cash to the old man. And what are you supposed to buy Christmas dinner with? You keep that too, George said. Now get home to your family. The young man turned with tears streaming down his face. I'll be here in the morning for work if that job offer is still good. Nope, I'm closed Christmas day, George said. See you the day after. George turned around to find that the stranger had returned. Where'd you come from? I thought you left. 
I've been here. I have always been here, said the stranger. You say you don't celebrate Christmas. Why? Well, after my wife passed away, I just couldn't see what all the bother was. Putting up a tree, all that seemed a waste of good pine trees. Baking cookies like I used to with Martha just wasn't the same by myself. Besides, I was getting a little chubby. The stranger put his hand on George's shoulder. But you do celebrate the holiday, George. You gave me food and drink and warmed me when I was cold and hungry. The woman with child will bear a son and he will become a great doctor. The policeman you helped will go to save 19 people from being killed by terrorists. The young man who tried to rob you will make you rich and not take any for himself. That is the spirit of the season and you keep it as good as any man. George was taken aback by all this and said, how do you know all this? Trust me, George, I have the inside track on this sort of thing. And when your days are done, you will be with Martha again. The stranger moved toward the door. If you will excuse me, George, I have to go now. I have to go home where there is a big celebration planned. George watched as the old leather jacket and the torn pants that the stranger was wearing turned into a white robe. A golden light began to fill the room. You see, George, it's my birthday. Merry Christmas. George fell to his knees and replied, Happy, be happy birthday, Lord Jesus. And so is the story of George and the filling station from someone's imagination. But it's still a pretty good story. And it emphasizes the fact that this plan of God, which he had for centuries and was fulfilled mostly in his son Jesus Christ, is still going on with people like George and you and me, sometimes without our even being aware of it. And so, in this Christmas season, it's still the season, you know, we say, Merry Christmas, Happy Birthday, Jesus. God bless us all. How does this support for this congregation? Well, <clears throat> you're searching for a new pastor. And uh, I just thought it would be kind of fun to take a look at some of those things and uh, <clears throat> see how they connect with that story. Most of these things are from 1 Timothy and Titus, which incidentally we're going to look at in Bible class today. Ironically, it just kind of falls that way. I'm not going to read all of them. Just pick out a few and see how they connect. First, a pastor must be humble, it says in Titus 1.7. Reminds me of something that someone said once when they were without a pastor. said, God, we need a poor, humble pastor. You keep him humble, we'll keep him poor. Well, I don't think that's anywhere in the Bible, but it worked for them, right? But humble has a different meaning in the Bible than it usually does for us. It means that we depend on God so we don't strike back, right? We depend on his way of handling things. A pastor must be gentle, not quick-tempered. 
George could have reacted, couldn't he? He could have uh, pulled out a gun from his drawer or something and had the whole thing become violent, but he didn't. He listened, sorted out the situation. Another word is peaceful from Titus and Timothy. And George managed to make the peace, huh? Touched the heart of the policeman and the young man, and peace returned. Also, a lover of good. And that reminds me of just the inward parts, our heart, not just the actions. And it reminds me of what happens to people as they live with God day after day, year after year. And then the fruit of the Spirit begins to appear. Maybe you remember that list from Galatians chapter 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. It just kind of happens as you live with God day by day. The last one I want to connect is able to teach. Now, George wasn't teaching any lesson, was he? He was just doing something that a Christian would do. And yet, he really did teach a lesson. Reminds me of something that a child said about his parent. He said, they never really told us that we have to be honest all the time, but they just were honest all the time, and we figured out that that was the way to live, you know? And so teaching is not always just in a classroom. It's also in the example that people give and that other people follow. So as we search for a new full-time head pastor here, my prayer is that you'll find someone who embodies those characteristics and will be like George, like Jesus, in the best sense. Amen.